at the end of the day with this study, we want to know, do employees engage in more helping behavior? Uh, yes or no? Welcome to another episode of the ROI podcast presented by the Indiana University Kelly School of Business. I'm your host, Matt Martella. Here on the show, our mission is to help organizations make better business decisions. For those of you joining us for the first time, just want to welcome you to the Kelly family and just say, if you need any resources, if you're looking for any how-tos to improve your organization, definitely go back into the archives. Uh, we label all of our episodes to specific questions that hope to address you. And for those who have been with us for a while, welcome back. If you have a problem you're wrestling with as a leader, maybe you would like some of our faculty expertise to weigh in on a question you're wrestling with, or you simply know of a guest that would make a great person we could interview on our show, send us an email to ROIPod. That's R-O-I-P-O-D at IUPUI.edu. Well, all right, this week we are sitting down with the assistant professor of management, Ryan Outlaw, who, along with the team, is working on a voice outcome research project, which focuses on what happens when employees speak up to improve the workplace. Ryan, just thank you for spending time with us, and welcome to the show. Sure, Matt. Thanks for having me. So let's rewind a little bit, and let's lay the groundwork for your research that you're doing. It's really interesting when it talks about, you know, employees and the ramifications that have, you know, both good and bad when they speak up to try to improve their organization and, and, and lead things forward. So lay the groundwork. What is this research project and, and get us up to speed? Yeah, yeah. So um, maybe we can start out talking about what voice is uh, and, and talk a little bit about why it's important. Uh, so when I think about employee voice, um, that's typically uh, what we would call citizenship behavior. So when employees sort of go above and beyond um, uh, the, the call of duty at work, right? Uh, and so when we think about voice, uh, this is employees that are speaking up to hopefully uh, make improvements in the workplace, right? Um, so, so why is voice important? Uh, you know, you've, you've got uh, a couple of, uh, you know, look back in history, examples of, of when employees did not engage in voice. So uh, one thing that comes to mind is the, the Challenger space shuttle, right? The engineers, you know, they knew later on, they were engineers that, that were aware of, of problems that should have been addressed. And uh, uh, for whatever reason, some of those engineers didn't speak up. So, uh, uh, you know, we don't need to talk about what happened after that. The, the importance of voice is, is very clear, right? Um, other examples of voice. Um, oh, what was the, uh, the the rig out in the uh, Gulf of Mexico? Oh, that, the BP uh, rig. Yeah, yeah, the BP oil rig, right? And so there were folks on that rig that were aware of problems, uh, could have voiced those problems, uh, and uh, didn't, and, you know, Again, we see the the result of that, and so voice and those those are extreme examples uh, of when employees could have spoken up and said something, made improvements, uh, and for whatever reason didn't. We call that silence, uh, but it illustrates the importance of voice in the workplace. Uh, and so, on a day to day basis, um, you know, employees engage in voice all the time, right? Um, you know, I don't I don't know if you can. Think of an example, uh, maybe the last time that you said something or, or 
had an idea, pitched an idea. Hey, how can we make this place better? How can we make the podcast better? How can we make, right? And so, so we do this. We engage in voice uh, uh, on a day-to-day basis. Uh, and so it's no wonder that most of the research to date uh, has tended to focus in on, okay, we know voice is important. Now, how do we get our employees to speak up? What sorts of things can we do to, to what, you know, can we create a, a safe environment for the employees so they feel like, you know, this is a safe space I can speak up? Uh, maybe, maybe even selecting for employees that tend to engage in that sort of uh, behavior. So uh, during hiring interviews, if a manager decides it's, you know, for, the, for this unit for, or for whatever reason, particularly interested in an employee who's more likely to engage in voice, um, you know, uh, uh, they can focus in on those sorts of traits. Uh, so, so the idea is that voice is good for organizations uh, and uh, research is explored. Now, how do we get employees to, to engage in voice? How do, how do we get the most voice in our organizations? Uh, and yeah, yeah and, it, and, and I think it doesn't have to be so extreme because, I, you know, obviously many organizations, many employees aren't making uh, decisions that are going to ultimately put someone's life in danger. You sure. know, we're talking simple things, you know, whether that be, hey, you know what, if we just cut out maybe two of these processes mm-hmm. and how we get paperwork through, I really feel we could shave off some time. But then, you know, they hit some some stumbling blocks or roadblocks along the way. Oh, I don't I don't want to be that person. Yeah. You know, I okay. don't want to be, right. oh, I don't want to be the one to stir the pot or, you know, That's cause right. a ruckus. So I'll just kind of stay stay down and focus. So talk about how does how does that mindset as an employee or, you know, even from a manager's perspective, you know, ultimately start hurting the organization over time. Right. And, and so uh, what you just described is sort of setting the stage for silence, right? When employees could speak up, but they don't. Um, uh, but uh, you also raise another interesting point, uh, which is what happens after voice, right? So so employees may sort of anticipate uh, those those things. I don't want to be that guy, right? You said, and you're, you, maybe you're thinking to yourself, should I say something? You know, you're... you're you know, picture this. Here's here's something I know that that most of us can probably relate to. Been sitting in a meeting. A meeting's been going on for an hour, an hour and a half. At the end of the meeting, somebody says, "Does anybody have any comments? Does anybody have anything they'd like to share?" And you know, you're going, "Well, I do, but yeah." If I say something, you're looking around the room, going, "How are the people going to judge me?" Should I, you know? And you're feeling that anxiety kick in, right? And and so, uh, yeah, that that's that's quite common. But but research has sort of stopped at the um, how do we get employees to engage in voice? How do we get more voice? Okay, we've got voice. Voice is good. Stop. What our research does is is ask the question: After voice, then what? Right? And 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 more specifically, uh, not only then what for the organization, right? In terms of how is this good for the organization? How might voice be good for the unit, the, the supervisor? Uh, we, we take a deep dive into the implications of speaking up for the employee themselves. And so very employee-centric, uh, uh, I would say. This, this research that we're doing is very employee-centric. Um, we look at, at the repercussions of engaging in voice. And I say repercussions. It, we, we typically tend to think of voice as a good thing, right? Uh, it's, it's, it's good for the organization because we can create more efficiencies. We can be more effective. 
but is it but is it always good and especially when we consider the employee right we're taking employee centric view when we start considering the employee themselves is it necessarily a good thing and based on our research the answer is uh, maybe it, it it can be it can be good but it can also be bad and so we look at ways in which uh, the employee may suffer as a result of engaging in that voice. So let's jump into the actual research and what you're beginning to discover, you know, that gap between when the, the voice is expressed in the organization and then the repercussions of how that impacts whether the organization or the employee. What are you beginning to find right. in some of this research that's sticking out to you? Okay, so, so now I'm going to have to, now we're going to get a little bit more nuanced. So far we've been talking about voice is just this, this idea of, of speaking up and saying something that benefits the organization. Uh, but, but since you raised this question, uh, it's important to note that there's two types of voice. Okay? So there's the first type of voice is called promotive voice. And, and what promotive voice does, I guess the best way you can think about promotive voice, is that's, um, you know that old phrase, from good to great? You know, we want to go from good to great, <laughs> yeah. right? And so it, you know, when I think of promotive voice, I think of, okay, this is, this is where we are, you know, sort of here. We can, we can elevate ourselves by doing this, right? We're efficient now. We can be even more efficient if we do this, right? And that's promotive voice. And the other type of voice, the second type of voice, uh, is called prohibitive voice. And so what prohibitive voice does is, is um, well, you know, it, it, you've uh, traveled through the airport recently, I'm sure. sure. You, you heard the announcements, if you see something, say something. And so that's sort of what prohibitive voice is. It's if you, you know, where's there a problem? Let me find a problem. Let me find uh, where we're going to go wrong. In other words, this is sort of where we're at. Let's not drop down to here, right? Let's not, you know, let's not. So, so, so yeah, it's, it's sort of fine. It's, it's focused on problems, identifying problems, identifying issues, things that could come back to bite you, prohibitive voice. So, so again, just to recap, promotive voice, good to great, prohibitive voice, you know, see something, say something, where's the problem, right? Mm -hmm. And, and so, uh, it remind, remind me of your question. I know, that, <laughs> I know yeah. there's a reason why we started talking about pro promotive and prohibitive. Yeah, and getting into the research, you know, what you're finding that's okay, becoming okay, interesting, right. uh, you know, which, which is, you know, to all, also clarify, make sure that I have a good understanding. So it seems like the promotive voice mm -hmm. is this voice that says, hey, I got this great idea and it's going to take us from, you know, this, this mark to we're going to go to the next level because I got this awesome idea, which right. seems to be in concept, like more, more of an, a voice that probably isn't as stifler. It's easier to kind of bring about, and I'm sure you'll get into this later, versus, you know, someone, let's say, in accounting is saying, look, if we keep doing this procedure, keep spending the way we're spending, we got to stop it. Like, I have to be the bearer of bad news. I know you're having fun, so we have to stop it. Otherwise, we're going to go off a cliff. Right. Okay. So, so promote a voice. Uh, and if you just had to guess, right, and we're going to talk about how voice impacts the employee in terms of the emotions that they feel. And when you think of, of promotive voice that are taking us from good to great, right, mm -hmm. how does the employee feel? If you had to guess. I mean, they're going to feel pretty good. They're going to feel pretty good, yeah. right? They're going to feel, and, and specifically what we look at is the emotion pride. And so would employees tend to feel a sense of pride? Yes, right? If I can take us from good to great, that's a win. That's an accomplishment. That is, you know, uh, um, in terms of, of my goals, you know, my daily goals as an employee, 
that's a win in my book. And so because that's congruent with my goals uh, and because that's an accomplishment that I take credit for, after all, I'm, I am the employee that's making that comment, right? I'm taking credit for it. I'm going to feel that sense of pride. I'm going to feel that sense of pride. On the other hand, prohibitive voice, right? We're talking about the, the person pointing out problems, the, 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 the person that's, uh, you know. Yeah, yeah I, 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 I mean, the best example I think I have news, right? is, is like Toby from The Office. Like <laughs> every time Michael wants <laughs> yeah. to do something, Toby has to come in like the HR rep and be like, Michael, yes. we can't we can't do this. And it wrecks Michael. Yes. Yes. Michael, I, you know, I, I just have this, this, I, you know, I can see Michael in my mind going to Toby. Why are you the way that you are? <laughs> and so, I mean, it, but, but it does make sense. Like it seems to be that, that that is a prohibitive voice because if, you know, taking the office, for example, as a, you know, just a fun, fun pull into this conversation, if Michael were to just give in to all of his desires and, and decisions, he would run lawsuit after lawsuit. He would run the organization at the ground. And Toby kind of has to be the one that says, Michael, I'm trying to protect you and everyone else, but you hate me. Right. And, and I think it makes a good parallel because so many, I believe like so many people have, don't want to be the Toby of the office, like the stifling, the fun. Right. But it's important. All right. Imagine if there were no Toby. Right. If, if, and like you said, it would be a wreck. You know, Dunder Mifflin would be out of business. Right. So we've, we've got to have those Tobies. Uh, but at the same time, those employees that are engaging in that, that uh, prohibitive voice, you know, if you had to guess what sort of emotions they feel, it, it's not good. Right. You know, typically, if it, you know, I guess and it could be argued, maybe not necessarily. Right. Maybe you're thinking to yourself, well, you know, if I'm pointing out a problem, Maybe I'm I'm still feeling okay about it. So th this one's a little, it's a little less guessable, right, in terms of how an employee might feel. But what we hypothesize and what we ultimately find is indeed that employees do tend to feel negative emotions. Specifically, we look at the emotion of anxiety. So uh, employees that are engaging in this sort of prohibitive voice, right, pointing out the problems, they're going to feel a little anxious about this. Why would they feel anxious? I don't know. Are they stepping on somebody's toes? Are they, um, you, know, you know, the 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 party poopers, <laughs> right? But, but that stigma comes with it, you know, because I think it comes down to a lot of cultures and organizations. When you have a culture that you know, hey, we're we're going to do this fun thing and we're going to move. Like, don't stop us now, because every organization, like especially you know those that are seeking in sales and really working hard, it's all about like just just pushing through and driving. And when you become the one that's like, hey, guys, I think there's a problem here, you, you almost become like that, like that roadblock or right. stop. And you, at least you feel that way because now you're the one that's that's bringing up a concern when everyone else can be like, don't, don't just don't say anything. Like, just ignore it. Like, don't worry about it. It'll be it'll be fine. That's right. That's right. And, and so, yeah, you feel a little nervous. You feel a little anxious, jittery. Right. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and, and I think there's also something to be said for uh, the fact that that prohibitive voice is focused on problems. It's focused on pointing out problems. When we start thinking about problems, that in and of itself tends to evoke that sort of anxiety and those negative emotions. Uh, and, and so on the one hand, we've, we've got a promotive voice out here. Employees are feeling pride. They're feeling proud. They're feeling good. It's a win. And we've got prohibitive voice, which tends to result in feelings like anxiety. 
And so, so that's good. We understand uh, um, that employees can feel good or feel bad. But then the question, so what? Mm-hmm. So what? Uh, and, and so when we talk about emotions, it's hard to talk about I- emotions without talking about something we call action tendencies. And so these action tendencies, they're sort of like biological responses that are built into people when, when we feel certain uh, uh, emotions. We have impulses to, to do things, to act certain ways. So when we feel things like pride, for example, pride, when you think about it, when you, when you, you know, win a game or, or, or you come through, you know, and, and save the day, you know, your, your chest swells with pride. You know, sure. you're feeling, you know, you're, 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 I mean, you're, you're in it. You, yes, you're you're exactly, celebrating. Yeah. Exactly. And you want to be around other people to uh, sort of live that moment up. Right. And, and so we want to be around other people and, and we tend to uh, um, uh, just socialize more and, and, and in fact, uh, ultimately engaging more helping, which is in, in our study, that's that's sort of our, our ultimate variable that we look at is is ultimately uh, uh, do em, do employees engage in more helping uh, at the end of the day? Because mm-hmm. it seems like, you know, to be a, a uh, on the other side, the preventative voice mm. that it, it comes with a fear of isolation, because like you said, you know, if there's this, you know, w- with pride associated with pr- the sending it forward and winning, you know, if you become the one that like stops the fun, quote unquote, you know, or is the one that's speaking up to, to prevent something because something's got to change. Well, there is a fear of that. You'll be like kind of ostracized, maybe not publicly, but definitely you know walk to the water cooler and you feel more of a people got a chip on their shoulder against you right. and that becomes probably leading more into that anxiety and you know exactly right and so so when we feel anxiety and and, and what is anxiety anxiety is is fear of the unknown right if if i if i knew what i was supposed to be afraid of i wouldn't feel this anxiety but i don't know right sort of threats from all sides I'm, I'm not quite sure where they're coming from it's fear of the unknown and so that that action tendency associated with anxiety is to retreat, is to, to isolate yourself and to sort of draw back. Uh, and, and so, like I said, we're interested ultimately at the end of the day with this study, we want to know, do employees engage in more helping behavior? Uh, yes or no. And so when employees feel that anxiety and they feel that action tendency, that urge to, to draw back, they're not around uh, to, for example, help their coworkers out, or or if somebody needs, uh, you know, a hand uh, uh, completing assignment or, or extra, you know, extra work or whatever, mm-hmm. those employees just simply aren't around. They're 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 um, isolated. They're retreating, um, and, and and so it, you know it makes it hard to focus on what you're doing. The anxiety. It's just so so for a lot of reasons, we find that anxiety uh, um, tends to make employees withdraw. Uh, which ultimately leads to a decrease in helping behavior. That employee at the end of the day will be less helpful in your organization as a result of feeling that anxiety. So let's talk now about organizational leaders and managers who are trying to create a place for, I mean, it doesn't seem like the major problems that promotive voice. I'm sure, you know, at some, some spots there might be some anxiety with promoting, but it seems like the big problem tends to be more of the preventative. Like mm-hmm. how do we, how do we do that? So as an organizational leader, what are some ways that you can build 
world, your culture, or like as a, as a leader, be aware mm-hmm. to help promote that preventative voice so that way we don't run our organizations off those cliffs or have our own challenger within our organization. Right. right. Well, so so I'll use myself as an example here. And so, so when I'm not doing research, uh, I'm teaching. Uh, and as part of my classes, ask any student that's ever been through my class, I, I have a you know, a big emphasis on, on speaking up, uh, in open dialogue. I I believe that's how classes, uh, at least, uh, the type of class I teach should be run. I think it works best when it's an open dialogue back and forth between instructor and student, student and student. And so in order to get there, uh, uh, you know, I tell my students that, that, Hey, look, this is a priority for our class. Uh, and, and in fact, I even, you know, incorporate that into integrating. It's so important um, and I just think being able to communicate is such an important skill, uh, anyway. And so, so for a lot of reasons, I put that emphasis on communicating. So I don't need to tell you, I've got some students that are introverts. I, you know, I, I myself am an introvert. I would consider myself an introvert. And so, um, you know, it's not always easy to, to, to get out there and, and speak up, especially when you're in a class of, of 64 other students, right? Um, so, so oftentimes what I'll do uh, is, is when I have a student that comes to me during the semester and expresses concerns, hey, look, I know this is, this is important as part of my grade. I just, I don't feel comfortable speaking up. It's my job as a professor to sit down with that student and do everything I can uh, to, to sort of create a, a trusting environment, an environment built on trust, and to reassure and to let that student know uh, that, that, Indeed, this is, you know, and, and I'll, I'll give you a specific example. And so I'll, I'll tell students, hey, look, I'm, I'm never, ever going to call you out. If you say something uh, and it's just completely off, you know, I'm not going to be that guy that goes, what were you thinking? How could you possibly say that? That's, that's clearly that's wrong. Right. And, and, and so just sort of reassuring them, you know, I'm going to be I've, I've got your back when you when you speak up, you know, I've, I've got your back. Don't worry about it. Um and, and, and so that's, um, you know, I, I think that's a big component. And, and f- you know, from a managerial uh, standpoint, uh, I think the same thing would apply, right? Managers can sit down. They can, you know, a manager gets this study that we're doing and looks at it and says, oh, okay, what do I do with this? R- realize that the implications are that employees may feel anxiety when they speak up, but speaking up is so important. And so what can you do? Maybe as a manager, what you do is sit down with your employees and say, hey, look, I recognize you might feel uncomfortable. Uh, you might feel anxiety. You might feel a little nervous about speaking up. You might feel really nervous about speaking up. But, but guess what? It's okay because I've got your back. Go ahead. We need to hear this stuff uh, because it, it, it could be the difference between um, you know, winning and losing at the end of the day. Yeah. And it, and it's so important too, because knowing and understanding there's so much anxiety behind someone actually speaking up that even the slightest cue from, from a leader or a manager kind of hinting that it's a bad idea or why would you even think that even, even though you said it or your body language could even phrase it, they're going to be way more sensitive to any sort of critique and almost looking for you to be mad at them. So even things might get misconstrued from an employee's perspective, you know, which ultimately hurt an organization. So how can a manager uh, or, or a leader of an organization, you know, who's in a culture now, let's say that has not enforced um, you know, sp- speaking up to people like, you know, people have spoken up in the past, yet 
been, been met with silence or met with, you know, criticism. How can an organizational leader begin to start rebuilding some of that trust um, and be able, begin to model uh, what the future is going to look like for that culture, for people to speak up? Yeah. Well, uh, you know, to, to build a, a culture of trust, um, it, 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 we can't talk about trust without talking about fairness. And so, you know, being a, a, a fair, a just manager, what, what does that mean to be a fair manager? And, and so um, things like uh, making sure that your decisions as a manager are based on, uh, that, that, that impact employees are based on accurate information that those decisions aren't biased. Those sorts of things that uh, managers can engage in um, to, to um, in, uh, sort of give, uh, give the perception that, hey, I am a trustworthy uh, supervisor, or, or I'm, a, I'm a fair supervisor, lends itself to a, a, an environment of trust, right? Um, uh, but, but, you know, Beyond that, and and just reassuring uh, employees that um, uh, that you know it is okay and it will be okay uh, if you speak up, even if it's with that prohibitive voice. You know, even if you're speaking up about problems. How can a manager if, within some of these meetings lead that? Let's say they're they're leading. You know, how can they model an example of a prohibitive voice as a way to empower? others to speak up within their organization right um well you know if 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 i were if i were talking you know i always always give examples you know hey i've been there i've done this and and maybe throw out an example of the time in the past when when i've spoken up and said something and and maybe even go so far as to say it didn't work out the best but it was still the right thing to do right and so giving those sorts of personal examples and and setting the tone uh, like you said, um, just by way of uh, uh, either examples from the past or uh, maybe if, if employees can see their supervisors in action also, right, speaking up and, and pointing out problems, um, to, to, to see that modeled, the employees themselves, the subordinates might, might uh, be more willing to engage in that sort of behavior. And now getting on to the other side of the coin. So let's talk about, you know, now employees, let's say are, are in an organization where they know that they, they need to speak up. I mean, you sit in that meeting, you, you hear some information, maybe you hear a decision from management and in your gut or in your conscience, something just triggered, like just flips a switch and you're like, this is not right. Like I know, I, I can't fully explain it, but I just know someone's got to speak up to prevent this. How, how would one be able to kind of yeah. in, be empowered to, yeah. to speak up from an employee side to a manager, right. especially with a, with a past maybe that they haven't had great success? Right, right. Uh, you know, I, I think there's a lot to be said um, for for um, things like uh, uh, meditation and, and mindfulness and maybe even in, in the heat of battle, right, and you're feeling all those those uh, overwhelming emotions. Something as simple as... as uh, deep breathing, right? Just to sort of calm yourself. And from an employee's perspective, remind yourself, uh, uh, you know, I can, I can also feel good about this. You know, I, I can potentially feel a sense of pride from speaking up, even if I'm starting out with a more prohibitive uh, um, type of voice. You know, I'm pointing out a problem. It, 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 and, and, and maybe this goes back to your previous questions about uh, or question about what managers can do to facilitate this 
is that we can point out problems, but we can also take that a step further and say this is a problem, but this is how it could be better. And so in that sense, it, it almost blurs the line, doesn't it, between prohibitive and promotive voice. At what point does it stop being, okay, I'm pointing out a problem that could sink us, and what point does it start becoming, uh, but here's how we could be even better. And, and so I can point out a problem and, and frame it or, or pitch it to my supervisor in a way that almost makes it feel like I'm giving you a way to make us even better, right? And, and so sort of blurring that line. And then all of a sudden you find yourself maybe possibly being the hero. So it's, exactly. it's preventative, exactly, but leading toward kind of that up curve instead of... That's right. Got to stop. I got to be the Toby. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. And, and so employees, you know, they, they can just sit back and, and think about what, what sense of pride they're going to feel after they sure. do it. Right? Awesome. Well, Ryan, thank you so much for being our guest. Again, this is Ryan Outlaw, Assistant Professor of Management here at the Kelly School of Business. Him, along with his team, working on the Voice Outcome Research Project, which focuses on when employees speak up and what the ramifications may be. This has been another episode of the ROI podcast presented by the Indiana University Kelly School of Business. I'm your host, Matt Martella. Our mission is to help organizations make better business decisions. We'll see you next week.